0: Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Luke 17, 11 through 19. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Luke 17 in your Bible. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well.
1: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sam. So Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, he has been continually on his way towards Jerusalem. He's making his way towards Jerusalem, uh, where he will eventually be crucified and, and killed and raised again to new life and ascended to heaven and never die again. And one day he's going to come back, right? But this is, we're on this movement, and Luke, who's writing this gospel, this, this story about Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, will continually remind us that this is what's happening. Uh, this is where the story is going, that Jesus is making his way towards Jerusalem for his ultimate uh, death and resurrection. The, kind of the whole point, uh, the whole movement, God's greatest act of salvation for us. Well, he's, got, he's on this journey, and it's not just like he's making a, a straight beeline for Jerusalem, but he, he stops along the way and, and does different things. And along the way, he has two different sets of conversation partners, uh, people with whom he's interacting with on a regular basis. The, the first are his disciples, his inner, inner 12, the 12 disciples, uh, but that also includes kind of the large crowds that end up following Jesus pretty much wherever he goes. Uh, and some of those are kind of termed disciples, but they're not part of the, the inner crowd. Uh, the second group are the, the Jewish religious leaders, so the Pharisees and the scribes. And, and a little later on, we'll meet the Sadducees. Uh, these guys, they, they don't like Jesus. Well, they, they don't like him because, well, he's kind of made himself out to be equal with God. He's like, I am the Son of God. Like, And this is a pretty serious thing for the Jewish people. Uh, they, they called it blasphemy, and it was punishable by death. And that's kind of what they'll end up getting Jesus on anyway. Uh, not only that, but in claiming to be kind of equal with God, he, he also is interpreting the law in a different way than they understand it. And, and so from their perspective, Jesus is a lawbreaker. He is someone who is not to be trusted. He is... He is a sinner, and he is, uh, well, he's dangerous. And so they, they don't like him very much. See, the Pharisees have a very narrow understanding of what following the law actually looked like. And we talked about this last week a little bit, right? We said that they, that Jesus warns his disciples not to, to be like the Pharisees who had begun to make the little ones stumble. Like he, they, had, they had convinced people that this is the way to follow God's law. Uh, Uh, And the way that they thought that following God's law should be was that they would be completely and utterly obedient to the law. And they thought because they had fulfilled the law so completely that God owed them something for their work, right? Uh, When in reality, uh, following the law is a a gift for us to to kind of live life in the way that God wants us to. It's It's not for us to earn our salvation. It wasn't for the Pharisees to earn their salvation, although that's kind of how they viewed it. It's a gift to help us to live correctly. Well, that's the Pharisees, and that's that's who Jesus has been in conversation with this entire time. Well, he's making his way, and the next scene, that's where the, the story left off last time. We have this little parable, right, um, that kind of illustrated the Pharisees' idea about uh, following law. Uh, in this very next scene, Jesus is continuing to, to move on, and uh, he's... Mark tell, or Luke tells us that he's in the region between, uh, between Galilee and Samaria, right? And that this is kind of an ambiguous place, right? But this, this ambiguity about where he is exactly is intentional on Luke's part uh, to highlight this. Uh, Samaria, uh, where the Samaritans are from, uh, is uh, an interesting part of Israel's history. In fact, I got a map. I like maps. I don't know how well you can see that. So this red section right here is Samaria. So this is Judah and Galilee. So this is all part of Israel at the time. Um, Samaria is kind of part of Israel, but but kind of not really. There's some interesting history here. And uh, one of the people we might be able to look at to help us understand who the Samaritans are, and this is really important for this passage. Uh, understanding who the Samaritans are is is key to understanding what Jesus is doing with this particular uh, interaction. Uh, the Samaritans are, um, well, the Jewish people would think that they were half-breeds. Uh, there's a guy by the name of a Jewish historian called Josephus, and he wrote uh, a history of the Israelite people. And if you want to read this, it's big, and I have it electronically, so I can't give it to you. But if you want to read it, I can make sure you have it, or appoint you to, f- to find it. I wouldn't recommend reading it because it's not like, it's not fun reading, right? Uh, well, anyway, he tells the story of how the Samaritans kind of came to be. A- and it starts with after exile. So God's people, uh, the Assyrians came, this is way back in the Old Testament. Assyrians come, and they, they take over northern, the northern portion of Israel, and they kind of destroy the place, and they carry off some people to back to Assyria. They also resettled foreigners in this area after they destroyed everything. It's kind of what they did to to break up people groups and things like that. And so these foreigners began to live in Israel. Uh, And and some people began to intermarry with the Jewish people who weren't supposed to marry outside of uh, the Jewish kind of cultural area, uh, would begin to marry these foreigners. Uh, In in about 332 B.C., so this is after the Old Testament kind of is over, but before the New Testament starts, um, there was a guy, and his name was, uh, what was his name? I got it all written down because some of these details are are weird. Um, This guy named Manasseh, and he is the brother of the current high priest. And the way the high priesthood worked was that uh, it was hereditary. And so at least at that time it was. And so if his older brother would have died, he would have been able to take on, he would have become the high priest. Well, he ends up marrying uh, the daughter of the governor of Samaria, who was a foreigner. And uh, this, this, this causes waves, right? And in fact, he has to give up his claim to be high priest if something were to happen to his brother. Well, his father-in-law, the governor of Samaria, decides that, well, hey, it's okay. Okay, we'll take care of this. I will build a new temple for you guys to worship in Samaria. Come here, move to Mount Gerizim. It's a good name. It's a good name for your next child. Mount Gerizim. uh, And I will build you a temple. And so he does. And and so Manasseh comes and he, he starts, well, he starts worshiping God in this new place. And a lot of other Jewish people who had married foreigners come and uh, begin to settle in that area and begin to worship. Now Josephus will, will, admit, will admit that the Samaritans are worshiping the same God that all of the Jewish people are worshiping. But he's convinced, and he's a little biased in this, he's convinced that it's a deviant kind of worship, that they can't be doing it right because the only temple is in Jerusalem, and the only priests who are true priests are the ones who minister in the temple in Jerusalem, and God is only going to love the people who worship in the temple in Jerusalem. And so there becomes this great animosity that begins to happen because they've stolen our the Jewish kind of religious practices. Now a little bit later, about 100 years later, the Samaritans are worshiping on Mount Gerizim and the Jewish people are minding their own business until another high priest comes along uh, and he raises an army and he marches into Samaria and he destroys the temple and most of, like, most of Samaria. Now, you can imagine that this doesn't go over well with the Samaritans, right? Uh, it would be like if someone raised an army, came and destroyed our church. Uh, we wouldn't take kindly to that, right? Well, in response to that, uh, any time anytime that any Jewish person was traveling from the north up here, so that's where Jesus is from, Nazareth, Nazareth where he grows up. Anybody, times, they're, they're traveling to the south to come to Jerusalem to worship, uh, let's say during Passover or things like that. Uh, they, when they went through Samaria, they would get attacked. Uh, the Samaritans would ambush them. And, and, and so it wasn't, it wasn't odd. Actually, most of the common practice was for people to kind of walk, to go the long way, to avoid Samaria. Uh, this led to just just really, really bad blood between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. In fact, you might say that they hate each other with a passion. Uh, For the Jewish point of view, there is absolutely no way that a Samaritan could be a beneficiary of God's love and salvation. Just no way. They're dirty half-breeds. They're deviant worshippers. God doesn't love them like God loves us. So that's kind of the background. So Jesus is walking around this area. And, and like I said, the, 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 the statement about that he's somewhere in between this area is intentional. Uh, Luke wants us to understand that Jesus could happen upon any kind of person in this particular area. And he wants to highlight the, the expectancy with which something might happen. Well, as it happens, right, in the passage... Uh, 10 lepers come up and and they call out to Jesus. Now, a couple of tidbits about leprosy, right? We told the kids a little bit. Uh, The the term covers a wide variety of skin diseases. Uh, Not just leprosy, which we know as kind of actual medical condition where your skin begins to rot and things fall off. Uh, But anything that you might have that might uh, be a skin condition. Psoriasis, I guess. Things like that. Uh, Eczema. I don't know if they, they just didn't know what these things were until they thought everything was extremely contagious. And, uh, and your, life was, your life was bound up with your ability to participate in all of, the, all of the practices of the community. And so if you had a disease where you were contagious, like that excluded you from the things that mattered most, uh, you had to go and live in a leper colony, and you couldn't have interaction with your family or your friends, you couldn't worship uh, in, in the temple or wherever. Like you were excluded from all of the things that gave meaning and purpose to life. Uh, and, and so it was just a terrible, terrible existence, right? And not only were you excluded from everything and everyone that you loved, right? You had to pronounce your shame wherever you went. So if you were walking around outside of your area, like I told the kids, you had to put your mouth, hand over your mouth, and you had to yell, unclean, unclean, to give people a warning uh, that you were contagious. Uh, and the last thing any any person wanted was to contract that kind of disease to be able to live that kind of life. So and they call out to Jesus, and... Uh, They called out and said, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, uh, they're they're, uh, going along with social protocol. They're not getting too close to Jesus. But they call him Master. And and in Luke's Gospel, the only people who end up calling Jesus Master are his disciples. And so these ten lepers, they have an understanding about who Jesus is. And they put themselves kind of at Jesus' mercy. Uh, They don't call him Teacher Uh, They call him master. They are submitting themselves to his lordship as someone who can do something about their condition. Well, Jesus, uh, from a distance, says, hey, go, go to the priest and show them that you're clean. He doesn't say, be clean. He says, go to the priest and show them you're you're, you're clean. And so all 10 of them, they take him at his word, and they set off to go find the priest. As they're going on their way, they do find out that they're, they're clean. Like their skin conditions are gone. And one of them, one of them realizes this and he turns back and he runs back to Jesus and he falls down and he begins to worship. Now, uh, I, I think that's that's kind of like the expected response of us, right? Uh, that anytime God does something miraculously in our lives, that, that our the appropriate response would be for us to to offer ourselves back to God in, in acts of worship. Well, Jesus uh, Jesus says, We're not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? It's at this point that, that Luke drops the bomb. This isn't just a foreigner. Like, he's not just a Gentile, but he's a Samaritan, Right? This is, this is big, this is huge. I think we don't get this as much as maybe we should, right? Because we don't live in that world. We don't understand the antagonism and the animosity that these two groups had for one another. So maybe we should try to put a contemporary group of people in, in that category for us. Uh, now, I know you all are good people, and that there's no one you would think that God couldn't love, right? Uh, But I want you to just think, in in your mind, uh, when you think about culture at large, when you think about America, uh, who are the people who, who we have a tendency to say, there's absolutely no way that God's grace and love and salvation could be for those people? Amen. All of them, all of them. Uh, That—that's no offense to anybody who might want to grow up to be a politician. You can still attend here if uh, if you end up being a politician. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot we could do. We could say about that. I think that Jesus, though, like. He's making a point here. Uh, I, think, and I think it comes in, in verse ten or 19. It says, Get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Two things are important in this verse. The get up and go on your way would have been understood by Luke's original readers as resurrection kind of language. The Gospel of Luke is the latest Gospel uh, in terms of the date in which it was authored. And so the people that Luke is writing to, they have a good understanding of, of where this story is going already. They, they understand who Jesus is and what Jesus is about and what happens to Jesus with his death and his resurrection. And they understand that that resurrection is an agent of, of salvation for God's people. I think Luke is telling us with using this specific kind of language, but this Samaritan, not only, not only has he been uh, healed and cleaned, cleansed, he has been resurrected. He has been brought back to new life, uh, not just in that he's able to rejoin his, his family, he's able to hug his wife and hold his children and worship uh, with his community, but that he, is, he has received salvation at the hand of God. Your faith has made you well. Again, this is salvation kind of language. Uh, We've said from the very beginning that Luke is writing his gospel in what we have called an apocalyptic perspective. We said the word apocalypse just means revealing. The Pharisees, the Jewish people, had this narrow understanding of, of who God was and who God was going to love and give salvation to. And it was them. Over and over and over again, Jesus begins to reveal this new kingdom of God. He begins to reveal the ways in which he is expanding uh, who gets salvation. And he's saying very explicitly in this story that those who are capable of receiving God's salvation are all of the people who we think shouldn't be able to receive God's salvation. I, I think there are, there are two postures we can take as we think about this, this passage. One, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. The love and grace and forgiveness of God made possible through Jesus Christ is for everybody. That Christ has not come just for for us good people and our salvation, but that God's salvation has come for everyone That everyone is invited to, like this leper, return to Christ and offer praise and thanksgiving for the salvation they have received. To be welcomed into the family of God. This Samaritan now is a a child of God. I, I don't know, maybe that's a narrative. You might tell yourself that I'm not worthy to receive God's salvation. Or maybe that's something that you think about someone else, but but it's, Luke is very clear, Jesus is very clear. This kingdom of God is for everybody to come and follow Christ, to find new life in him. The second thing is that for those of us who have already been resurrected to new life in Christ, for those of us who have found God's salvation already. Actually, we should say this, that God's salvation has found us. That it is now our posture, our calling, to be Christ's radically loving presence in our world. That we go into the places where we are, family and our work, friends, And we realize that people, regardless of what we might think about their, who they are and their behavior. Now, sometimes behavior have to test to change, right? That's part of this whole movement. I'm I'm not just saying that everybody gets a free pass. But it's our posture. It's our calling to go into the world like Christ has gone into the world in this new kingdom of God, proclaiming God's radical love God's salvation, God's resurrection for everyone, regardless of who they are and what they've done. That's really easy to say. And I think it's really easy to think that we're doing. But I think if we look deep inside of ourselves, if we take a very good look, we will see that there are people who who we just don't want to be recipients of God's grace. We'll echo Jesus' words from last week. Beware of the Pharisees. Don't be like them. Love like Christ has loved.
0: Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.